0: It does come out in one piece. It comes out in one piece. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. And now, here's Mark. So the question on the table today is, why should Christians protest the presidential debates? That's what we're going to be talking about today on the Mark Harrington Show With your radio activist, Mark Harrington, if you want to find out more about our radio program, go to MarkHarrington.org. That's MarkHarrington.org. I'm also the president of Created Equal, which is the pro-life group based here in the Midwest. And what we do is travel to college and high school campuses using abortion victim photography and video to stimulate debate. In the marketplace of ideas. Well, we've got this Democrat presidential debate next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, July 30 and 31. And I just thought it might be appropriate that we talk about why Christians should protest these types of events. And I guess the broader question is why should Christians be activists altogether? Uh, Is that something we should be doing, and should we be protesting injustice? So that's what we're going to be talking about today on the Mark Harrington Show, and here's the thing. I'm hoping to get through most of this material. I've written this up, but maybe it'll take two programs. might take one. We'll see. So this might be part one of why Christians should be activists, but we'll see what we can do about getting through most of this. Uh, this is a talk that I gave at the uh, our, uh, what we call the Day of Action here in Columbus a couple of weeks ago, and I felt it would be appropriate to come to my radio audience and my social media friends to talk about this. So why should Christians be, Christians be activists? Well, when we think about this, I think, anyway, about the parable of the Good Samaritan. What we have there is the priest and the Levite. You remember the story Jesus told? When he was asked by the lawyer, who is my neighbor, he talked about this, this, this parable, this story. He, he talked about the priest and the Levite and how they passed by on the other side. And we can only surmise the reason why the priest and the Levite passed by the other side instead of stopping and administering to the beating victim is because they had more important things to do, right? They were busy. They were religious people. And in, instead of ministering and taking care of the beating victim, they ignored them and they passed by the other side. And in other words, they were probably attitudinally against beating victims like that. You know, They were attitudinally pro-life, but they didn't lift a finger to help the beating victim. And so it is often in the pro-life community, or I, I should say the church, we have the right position on abortion. We're attitudinally pro-life. We're just not behaviorally pro-life. In other words, we don't change the way we live because of the holocaust of abortion. 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, Knowledge makes one arrogant, but love edifies. That's the Apostle Paul talking about head knowledge. He says it's important, but it can make someone arrogant, but love edifies. Love Edifies, you know, having all the right answers to these issues of the day, especially abortion, uh, is cold comfort to the victims of abortion. It it matters little to them if we're attitudinally pro-life. It matters to them most if we are behaviorally, in other words, behaviorally pro-life. We've got to do something. We've got to put our knowledge into action. You know, most Christians, evangelicals, for that matter, would say they're pro-life. You know, if you asked them, they say, "Oh, I'm against abortion." But if you asked them what they were doing to stopping the killing, it's likely that they would not have anything to say about that. You see, the church—the reason why we're in the place we are now in 2019—it's been going on for more than a decade—is because the Churches failed to disciple the nation, to disciple America, and hence the the culture is suffering the worst manifestation possible, and that is the killing of unborn children on the scale that's really unfathomable to the mind. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 13, he said, You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor, how shall it be seasoned once again? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. Jesus said that if the salt loses its savor, that it's good for nothing, absolutely nothing. And it's only good for being trampled under the foot of men. And that's what's happening in America today with the Christian church. The message of the gospel, the discipling of the nations, teaching all that Jesus commanded us is being trampled under the foot of men. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. This is a moral and cultural revolution that's taking place before our eyes. And it's not Christians leading it, folks. They're pagans, non believers, liberals, socialists, Marxists. You can call them whatever you wish, but they're the ones leading the charge, not us. And there's something very wrong with that when every single institution that we can think of is dominated by um, God haters for the most part. You look at Hollywood, the arts, academia every institution of higher learning science medicine media etc cetera, etc cetera, are being dominated by non believers and you wonder why that's the case because we're the ones who are given the commission by Jesus to disciple the nations the great commission right they weren't given that uh, Jesus didn't say all authority has been given to me to give to the non-believers to make disciples. He, he gave us that commission. And yet we're failing on a scale that is really hard to describe right now. Jesus also said that we should occupy until he comes. That means every aspect of life should have the influence of the message of the gospel uh, and the, the truth uh, about the scripture. And, and unfortunately, that's not what's happening. That's not what's, what's happening. So, And I think it's just a, a common misunderstanding maybe of our, our responsibility. Uh, we, we interpret sometimes the gospel to be what, what we call a narrow or simple gospel, that all we have to do is share the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how people can come to repentance, and that's sufficient. Uh, that that is the end all, the all and end all of our Christian re- responsibility to uh, the world, to those who don't know Him. Well, that's important. Obviously, it's the starting point. But the Bible's full of much more than that. The the commission goes beyond that. In fact, uh, what's been called or coined the cultural mandate is given to us in Genesis chapter one. Right there in the beginning, God says you've got dominion over the earth. When he said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, having dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves. God said take dominion over the earth. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about some of these principles of activism, because, folks, we take that Commission that 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 mandate very seriously here at Created Equal. That's why we're going to the Democrat uh, debates next week, July thirty and thirty one, in, in Detroit. For those of you who are listening on WQ I am sorry, WLQV. That's fifteen hundred AM in Detroit. You are hearing the sound of my voice. You want to be part of this then just uh, go to my website at markherrington.org and send me an email and let us know that you want to come out and join us as we protest the Democrat debate next week, July 13 and 31. If you're listening on WLQV, 1500 AM, or any one of the radio stations that we're on here on the Salem Radio Network, you're welcome to join us and we'll give you the details of that. So what I want to do, and as far as I can get today, I want to talk about the principles of activism, the five principles of activism that we can extrapolate from the scripture that command Christians to get involved uh, in the, the issues of the day, in the cultural war, if you want to call it that. Uh, because the Bible's not silent on our responsibility to speak to the issues. Uh, it's very clear that we have a responsibility beyond just the cultural mandate in Genesis. The New Testament is also clear and what the apostles did when they went into the public square. So let's do that. The first thing that a uh, Christian needs to be, if they're going to be a principled person of activism, is they must be public about it. They must be public about it. That means that they need to come out from behind the pulpit. and That's in regards to the pastors and the leaders. Uh, They must come from behind the pulpit. The Christians must come out from behind the pew and, dare I say, the keyboard. You know what I mean? (laughs) The keyboard. We have a lot of keyboard activists, and I'm glad we have people out there writing, blogging. This is all good. But if you think that's a replacement for being in front of people in the public square, pressing forth the gospel and the truth about the scripture, I think you've got, uh, you've got something to learn because that ain't going to get it done, folks, especially with all the censorship going on. The writing's on the wall. Uh, this kind of uh, activism isn't going to get us where we need to go. The, the tried and true historic way of reaching people is the way Jesus did it. That was the public square. It's the way the, pos- the apostles did it. That was the public square. That's what's available to us, and we can't be censored, at least for now, With the public square. So, the first principle of activism is that it needs to be public. Can't be private. Can't stay in the church. Can't stay on the pew. Can't stay behind your keyboard. It must be public. And we get that from Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 17. All right. And I want to read this. This is Paul. Now, he's talking to the Bereans and he's talking about how he's going to be in Athens. And in verse 16, In Acts 17, verse 16 through 17, this says this when Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. Wow, what a kindred spirit. I mean, I tell you, I'm greatly distressed. I hope you are too. When you look at America and what's happening uh, with abortion and and the moral evolution. You must, hopefully, you're distressed too when you look at uh, what's going on. But anyway, it says here that Paul was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So, guess what he did? Verse 17. So, he reasoned in the synagogue, okay, with both Jews and God fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day, okay, with those who happened. To be there. So here's the Apostle Paul, right? He's distressed to see that the city's full of idols. Now, he didn't go to inside the church or get on his keyboard, because he didn't have one then. But he didn't just preach to the religious, even though it says he went to the synagogue, which makes sense. So the first thing he did is he talked to the religious people. He went to the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, just as we should go to the Christian church, the pastors, the flock, and let them know what's going on to try to activate them. That's what the first thing he did in response to being distressed over this city that was full of idols. But then it also says that he went to the marketplace with those who happened to be present. So he didn't just stay in the synagogue. He didn't just talk to the religious. He went to the marketplace, and that would be the public square, just like today, right? Your city squares, your universities, wherever people gather, right? Centers of power, that's where you go. He went to the marketplace with those who happened to be present. So these were just passers by. That's what we do, right? We set up our signs on the street, and we just talk to people who happened to come by. That's what Paul was doing. So one of the main principles of activism is that it must be public. Paul was public, didn't stay in the synagogue, didn't just talk to the religious. He went into the marketplace and he talked to those who happen to be there. So this is why, for an example, we use abortion victim photography, because we feel like that gets the conversation started. Uh, and it appeals to the masses. It's a mass media um venue if you will um, because the the mainstream media tv radio most for the most part secular outlets and platforms are closed to the christian message or the pro-life message we must go to the marketplace that's the place to go to the average person uh, this is a foundational precept of the sharing of the gospel and for that matter social reform generally. social reformers have always used the public square because why? why because that's where everybody is. that's where they, they gather. that's where they congregate right And so that's where they go. Um, and and we can't not uh, forget that we must use that So the first thing is that if you're if for the principles of activism it must be public. The second is it must be prophetic prophetic. Uh, speaking truth to power. This is why we're going to the Democrat presidential debates next week. It's not because we're partisan. We're not Republican. We're not Democrat. Uh, we have no political affiliation, in our organization. We're there to speak to power, the influencers. It wouldn't matter if college campus or a, a Democrat debate, uh, we're there to talk about the issue of abortion and confront the Democrat Party because, why? They support late-term abortion and infanticide, and they want you to pay for it with your tax dollars. Somebody's got to stand up against that. Well, how do we know that? Look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Now, these are New Testament verses, okay? We're talking about New Testament examples of being public and being prophetic. Two of the five Ps of being an effective Activists. This is an example of where John the Baptist was beheaded. Why? Because he called out Herod for his adultery. And it says in that in the in the verses one through five, it says this. And that at that time Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. And then in verse 3, it says, For when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying, it's not lawful for you to have her. Although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded John as prophet." New Testament, speaking truth to power, a prophetic role and responsibility. John the Baptist called out Herod because of his relationship with Herodias, his adulterous relationship with Herodias. And so should it be with us when we have leaders, Christian or non-Christian, doesn't matter. Herod certainly wasn't a believer in Christ. It's our responsibility and duty to call them to account. That's what John the Baptist did, and guess why? And guess what happened to him? He got beheaded. He got beheaded. He was uh, he was arrested, and then beheaded because he held Her Herod accountable. So Christians need to be activists. Christians need to consider what the scriptures say about that. And the first thing is we need to be public, and the second thing is we need to be uh, prophetic. Now, let's get to the third principle of activism. This is found in Matthew tw- uh, 10, 28, where, the, uh, where Jesus said that we must fear God, not men. Uh, he talks about that all throughout the scriptures, that we're supposed to fear God and not men. Where and the fear of man brings a snare, the scripture says, right? Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice have good understanding. So the Bible's clear that we need to fear the Lord and not men. See, there are a lot of man pleasers out there. Uh, they don't want to ruffle people's feathers, they don't want to offend anybody, and if they speak truth and speak to the real controversial issues of the day, they're afraid of driving people in the other direction. Um, and unfortunately, the scripture is clear. If you kowtow to uh, men and, and you don't fear God, that it brings a snare. It brings a snare. You know what a snare is? It's a trap. A trap. And so it's clear that Scripture says that we should be principled in our activism. That means we don't have an agenda. We're not Republican. We don't have an agenda. We don't have some kind of 10 points or political points or whatever. That's not us. Shouldn't be us. Should be Christ-driven. Christ-driven. Driven by our love for Jesus and the precepts of his word and not being selling out to men or a political party or becoming a celebrity on social media or what have you. I tell you what, you go down that road, you'll dumb down your message. You'll just be forced to. I mean, that's how it operates. You want to build a big church and bring in lots of people, you're going to dumb down your message probably because people don't like getting offended. They don't want to hear the truth because it often offends. And so if you're going to be an activist, which we all should be at some level, you claim Christ, you need to be public about it. That means the public square. You need to be prophetic. That means you need to speak to truth, truth to power and you need to be principled about it. Fear God, not man. Now, let's finally, let's get to the persecuted. We need to be persecuted. Now, that sounds weird. We think to ourselves, why would I want to be persecuted? <laughs> it's like, are we looking for this? Are we inviting it? You know, is it like I'm seeking it out or something? No, that's not what I think the Bible says on it but we should be willing to be persecuted for Jesus' sake. That means we should invite it. In other words, be, be, if it comes, we'll accept it, right? We'll accept it. We know this because the Bible speaks of the apostle Paul being beaten. And this is in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. He talks about him being beaten times without number with rods, whipped 39 times stoned, and by stoned it doesn't mean he was smoking weed, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, he was stoned, shipwrecked, he had all kinds of dangers, it says in that. I mean, this guy was really persecuted. Dangers from robbers, countrymen, wilderness, sea, false brethren, and so on. I mean, the apostle Paul was persecuted for, for the name of Christ. Christ. And yet, interesting enough, after all of these things that he lists, you know, he lists being beaten, whipped, stoned, shipwrecked, and all these dangers. He talks about all these being external things. He almost kind of thinks that they're not that big a deal. But he talks about the most important thing is that is the daily pressure that he had concerning all the churches. What a perspective there. Think about the Apostle Paul. All these things are happening to him, and yet he was concerned for the churches. That was the main thing. Not about him. In fact, he was beaten with rods and shipwrecked and all these dangers and all this stuff was coming to him. That didn't bother him at all. It was the weight of the church. It was the weight of those who were following Christ and the building of, of the church. And that should be the way it is with us. We should have a daily concern for the unborn. We should have a daily concern for our neighbors. Uh, it's unlikely that we're going to experience what the Apostle Paul experienced. That's true. Uh, you know, on a, as a caveat, the church. You know, I hear people say, "Well, you know, the church is going to experience persecution in these days." Well, it's possible, I guess. Uh, I can tell you this: they'll have to earn it. Uh, we're not going to get persecuted for being milk toast, uh, for not being for, for being jellyfish. We're, we're not going to get persecuted for dumbing down the gospel and the truth. That's not going to bring persecution. In fact, I would say the American church doesn't deserve persecution at this point. I think it's an honor. The Bible's clear that it should be an honor to be persecuted for Christ's sake. I'm not certain we're there, folks. Uh, Maybe persecution will come, but we better start standing up against these awful and evil things that are happening in our nation in order to deserve the persecution that comes by standing up for the truth. So, folks, listen. The bottom line is this. Christians should be activists. And to be an effective activist, they should be public. They should be prophetic. They should be persecuted. They should be principled as well. And in order to do that, uh, we need to be following Christ. So we're going to be going to the Democrat debate next week, July 30 to 31. Pray for us as we're out on the street and you want to get involved. Go to MarkHarrington.org and send us an email saying, I'd like to join you on the street. So thanks for uh, tuning in. We'll see you next time. God bless you, God bless America, and remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist.